you're listening to a City on a Hill podcast. We'd love you to use and share this podcast, but please refrain from editing the content without permission from City on a Hill. If you'd like to know more about our church, or if you'd like to donate to the work of City on a Hill, please visit cityonahill.com.au. Today's first Bible reading comes from the book of Matthew, chapter 1, verse 18 to 25, the birth of Jesus Christ. Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel. When Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but knew her not until she had given him a son, and he called his name Jesus. Today's second Bible reading comes from Colossians chapter 1, verse 15 to 20, the preeminence of Christ. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created, in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. Thanks, Liv. Uh, Well, Merry Christmas, everyone. I'll say that again. Merry Christmas, everyone. There we go. There we go. My name's Mike, uh, and as Lisa said, I'm a pastor here at this church. Uh, Can I say a special warm welcome uh, if you're visiting? It looks like we've got a lot lot of visitors today, which is great. And especially warm welcome if kind of church isn't kind of your normal Sunday morning routine. If you're the kind of person that maybe comes at Christmas, Easter, hey, we're so stoked that you're here. Uh, Don't feel guilty that um, maybe that's kind of your rhythm at the moment. We love that you're here today. We hope you feel uh, especially warmly welcome. And and some of you might have been dragged along by by a friend. Um, Great you're here. We hope you enjoy it. I hope you enjoyed it already. I certainly have. Um, Hey, uh, we've got a gift for you, if that's you. Uh, We've got a gift for you. Uh, I'll have mince pies after. That's a gift for everyone. But um, we've got a bunch of books uh, at the info desk you would have seen on their way in. Uh, This book is called A Case for Christmas. Uh, this book, uh, written by a guy called Lee Strobel, he's written a bunch of books, but he was a, uh, a top-notch uh, investigative journalist. Uh, he wrote for the Chicago Tribune, and he was an atheist. He was very skeptical of, of the spiritual things. His wife 
became a Christian. He thought she was crazy. Uh, he saw, so he set out to sort of prove a case, kind of sussing out how legitimate Jesus is. And he's written this pretty short book called A Case for Christmas, kind of looking at the, the Christmas claims that we've read about already in the Bible. So I'd love to put that in your hands. If you're someone who's got questions, someone's a bit skeptical, um, yeah, that's for you. That's free. Um, hey, uh, second thing, um, before we start as well, just a couple of farewells. Um, it's, uh, it's kind of quite bright up here. I can't see everyone here, but um, the Smiths, I um, uh, just want to say farewell to them, uh, Katie, Michael, Job, and Asha. They've been with us uh, since the start. Uh, they've served in many ways, and they're heading up to the sunny coast. So I just want to give a round of applause. So thank you, the Smiths. Uh, secondly, I can see him here, so he can't hide, um, Stephen Koo. Uh, Stephen has, uh, has been with us at City on a Hill for over five years and, and been on staff for uh, over three. Um, I'm so thankful for you, brother, thankful for your, your humble service, uh, your pastoral heart for people, your care for the poor, uh, your willingness to serve in many ways and often unrecognized ways behind the scenes. Um, we will miss you. We love you. I won't use the H word that, that Zach used last week, but, but we love you and, and we too miss you, brother. And, uh, and just to honor you today, we're going to have a farewell uh, for him at Fritzenberger, just across the road corner of Petrie Terrace and Caxton Street, 11.30. So a little bit of time after church, just as earliest as I could get in. There'll be some platters and stuff on us. Love to invite you there. And if you're brand new, um, come along for a burger. In fact, Stephen, when he was brand new to City on Hill, didn't really know anyone. He came along to Fritzenberger. That was his first time. So you can kind of complete the circle uh, by coming along today. Um, hey, I'm going to pray a prayer, a traditional Advent prayer. Um, and so I'd like to join, if you'd like to join with me, uh, bow your heads and pray. Oh Lord, raise up your power and come among us. And with great help, um, help us, great might, help us that through our sins and wickedness, we are sorely hindered in running the race that is set before us. But may your bountiful grace and mercy speedily help and deliver us through the satisfaction of your Son, our Lord, to whom and the Holy Spirit be honor and glory, world without end. Amen. Uh, well, what comes to mind when you think of Christmas? What comes to mind when you think of Christmas? We've had, we've had a, couple of, uh, a couple of ideas already. Maybe it's trees. Uh, maybe it's presents. Maybe it's, of course, the star of the show. Uh, maybe it's Christmas lights. Like, how good is these? These look amazing. I love... Good work. Yeah. Yes. One person excited. Yeah. Well done, um, the team team for kind of putting them out. I went to some Christmas lights uh, last night, just kind of around the, around the corner from my house. It was incredible. It was like a museum. There was like kind of train sets. There was like snowmen. There was um, kind of lights with, with strobe lights, which would change to kind of the beat of the music. There was kind of an LED thing. You could kind of text a message and, and it would kind of pop up in big letters. Um, but, but something about Christmas, all these Christmas icons, it's sort of a little bit of a, a cultural clash for us especially in, in sunny Queensland. I mean, reindeers? Has anyone ever seen a reindeer uh, just kind of chilling around the streets of Brisbane? I've seen a few other animals in our house. Uh, we've, we've seen possums, a lot of cane toads, Christmas cane toads. That's not, not quite as popular. And don't get me started on snowmen. Um, but, but maybe for you, Christmas, uh, more seriously, Christmas brings up different kinds of emotion. Uh, maybe for you, Christmas brings up uh, pain, despair, uh, grieving not being able to, to spend time with loved ones who are no longer with us, who are estranged, who are interstate overseas. And can I encourage you again, as Lisa 
invited us to be part of Christmas with the family, where a bunch of people just opening up their homes uh, for a lunch or a dinner, uh, come chat to, to me, the team at the Info Desk. would love to, to invite you along and help you get connected and share a meal with us over Christmas. But whatever your, your conceptions and connotations of Christmas are today, here's the main point that I want to stress today, that Christmas is bigger and better than you can imagine. You know, for a secular culture uh, that we live in, there's lots of Christmas kind of mythology that, that we happily embrace, yeah? Now, on one level, it's a bit of fun, and we can sort of write it off as, you know, festive, but there's a danger uh, that sometimes these things can draw us away from the true meaning of Christmas, uh, which has been clearly articulated already by City Kids. The word Christmas, if we break it down, it means Christ's mass. Christ, that, that's not Jesus' last name, that's a title, uh, meaning king. Uh, and mass um, literally sort of comes from the word mission, Christ's mission. So that's what we're going to be talking about today. Who is Jesus and what is he on about? So firstly, Christ. Now, there have been many different uh, views uh, over the years about who Jesus is. He's the most divisive person in history, literally divides the calendar. Um, but, you know, here's a few. Napoleon, he said he was the emperor of love. Uh, there's a philosopher called John Stuart Mill. He said he was the guide of humanity. The Dalai Lama said he's a reincarnated Buddha. Um, and Nietzsche says he's a fable, like a myth. Uh, Islam says that he's just a prophet. Uh, Gandhi called him the innocent one. And Batuta Advocate said that he was fined $1,000 by the Queensland government last year during the COVID lockdown for as resurrection was not a valid reason to leave the home. Now, a common view that, that I encounter is, well, I'm not sure if Jesus really did exist or not, but if he did, he was a pretty good guy, you know, he was a good teacher, a good bloke, uh, preached the, you know, love, that kind of thing, you know, like I sort of generally agree with sort of what he's on about. I mean, maybe he's been corrupted by the church or whatever. That's a sort of a general kind of Aussie view that I come across. Now, there might be some truth uh, to these, these various views about who Jesus is, but they missed the point. So who is Christ? Christ, Jesus, he is God with us. And we will sing about this uh, in a few minutes, but I want to show us from who he is from these original documents. And as we look at the book of Matthew, which Liv read for us earlier, it's one of the four biographies that we have of Jesus' life. Uh, now, Matthew, uh, he... Um, he was writing primarily to a Jewish context, and he opens up his account of who Jesus is by giving us a long family tree, historically rooting the person of Jesus with where he came from. And we see a bunch of Hebrew blokes in this list with fun names like Jehokaniah and Zerubbabel. You know, we're having a baby boy in a few weeks, so we're kind of using this as our inspo. Um, but... But interestingly, in the, the midst of, of all these kind of fun names and weird names of men, Matthew includes four women. Uh, now, that's very untraditional, right? For, for an ancient Middle Eastern culture, very patriarchal, uh, to, to, to include any women in the story of, of a genealogy. Uh, but what's even more noteworthy of just the fact that they're women, but actually who these women were? There's something unusual about them. He includes Rahab, who was a prostitute. Uh, Ruth, who was a foreigner, not kind of part of Israel, not part of the people of God. Bathsheba, uh, you might know the story of King David, Bathsheba. Um, she was taken advantage of by the king when she was married to another guy. 
And finally, Mary, uh, who we read a little bit about before. And these women could have well been seen as outsiders by the culture. Yet God has graciously included them in the greatest story ever. In, in, in the greatest man to ever have lived, he's graciously included them in the family tree. They're instrumental into the origin story of baby Jesus. Uh, if you have a look at verse 15, it should pop up on the screen of Matthew chapter 1. Um, sorry, verse 18. Let me read this. Now, the birth of Jesus took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed or engaged to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. So we see kind of a bit of suspicion around Mary's backstory, right? Mary, Joseph, they were engaged, but they hadn't, you know, consummated the wedding. Or as my, one of my kids' Bible says, they weren't even married yet. And Mary's pregnant. Scandal. Keep reading. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. Now, Joseph, he's, he's a good bloke, uh, upstanding citizen. He doesn't want to make a scene. He's like, let's just move along. Um, he doesn't want the scandal of a big wedding where Mary's pregnant, people asking all these questions. She'll be kicked out of the community, be shamed, ostracized. He's like, let's just kind of call it off. But uh, we read in verse 20, As he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him, Joseph, in the dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. At this point, God sends an angel uh, telling Joseph that this is all part of the plan. Jesus wasn't born in you know, the usual way. He wasn't conceived that way, but immaculately. The Holy Spirit, which is the personal presence of God, one of the three members of the Trinity, used his power somehow to get Mary pregnant. Now, this is strange, yes, but it's significant. This is no ordinary birth. Jesus wasn't born the same way, wasn't conceived the same way that we were. We were born into sin. Not because our parents did things the wrong way, but sin is rebellion of humanity against God. Uh, it's when we fall short of God's perfect standards. We do things our own way, wanting to make much of ourselves, making, uh, as the Oxley actor said, it all about me. But sin is like a disease that, that corrupts everything, everyone and everything. You know, it's why Christmas can so often be disappointing. Last year, Christmas uh, was disappointing for us because of a disease, not COVID, but gastro, which I reckon's worse. Uh, we've got a family of four. I won't need to kind of flesh that anymore. But our Christmas plans got ruined. I couldn't kind of go to the work Christmas party. You know, we, kind of had, we couldn't kind of have people at our house. It was, yeah, a lot of time on the toilet. It was pretty gross. But gastro or, you know, COVID or any disease, it spreads, it infects, and it just ruins stuff. Sin, it's a bit like that. Uh, we're, we're all being born into a world that is ruined. And yet, uh, it's, and that analogy isn't perfect because it's more than just a disease that we're innocently victims of. Uh, the Bible, in our experience, says that we, we all fall short of even our own standards, let alone God's perfect, holy ones. And we all stuff up. We, we say dumb things. Uh, we think thoughts about people that are unkind. Uh, we look up websites we shouldn't. We spend money where we shouldn't. Uh, we hold grudges against people. We need saving. 
ultimately from ourselves. But here's some good news. And this is why Jesus came. If you keep reading uh, on the screen, verse 21, she, Mary, uh, that's she's talking about, will bear a son. That's what the angel says. And you shall call him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Jesus, he, he gets given a few names because he's, he's kind of a big deal. And uh, his name here is Jesus. Jesus, which means Savior, Yeshua. Jesus saves us from our sins. And we'll see how that works in a moment. But here's another name that Jesus gets in verse 22. 23. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. Now, we'll sing about this song in, in a few minutes. O come, O come, Emmanuel. Emmanuel, that's what it means. It means God with us. When Jesus was born, this is extraordinary. God came down to earth. He lived with ordinary people like you and I. He ate. He laughed. He slept. He cried. He did all the kind of mundane things that you and I do. I've got a Muslim friend who thinks this is ridiculous, that, that God, the holy God, would humble himself and just become one of us. Yeah, it is ridiculous. That's the crazy thing about Christianity, that God has become one of us. But this is recorded in the biographies, in the ancient documents, in the Bible. Now, one of the reasons uh, I put my trust in Jesus as a young adult was because of verses like this. Uh, you notice it says, as the, the prophet said, uh, spoken by the prophet. That's, he's talking about Isaiah, written over 700 years before, predicting that the Savior would come through a virgin birth, and his name will be Emmanuel. In fact, there's perhaps at least 100 prophecies that Jesus fulfilled, things that were predicted, written about hundreds of years before that came true. Sure, maybe you're, you're skeptical, and you can be thinking, oh, well, some of them were like self-fulfilled. They just kind of, you know, they said it's going to be born from Bethlehem. They just kind of chose someone from Bethlehem and kind of made him and kind of led him into it. Well, possibly, uh, but there's quite a few things that need to line up for that to happen. Uh, not only the nature of his birth, uh, but also uh, his mission, words he said, he was a teacher, the fact that he, um, people would gamble over his clothes, the nature of his death, that he'd be betrayed, uh, that he'd ride into the city on a donkey. I could go on and on and on. You can read about some of these in this book I mentioned before, A Case for Christmas. Uh, in fact, one, uh, one mathematician, uh, Professor Peter Stoner, he calculates the, the probability of all these prophecies kind of becoming true. And he says... It's one in a trillion, 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 trillion. Now, I'm no mathematician, but I take it that's a pretty big number. Now, this gives us confidence, gives me confidence to trust that Jesus, as written about in the Bible, is legit, that he really is God with us. Now, back in the other reading uh, that Liv read for us, in the letter of Colossians, which if you've been uh, with us over the last few weeks, we've been going through slowly, just a verse by verse, written by the Apostle Paul, St. Paul, to a church in Colossae in modern-day Turkey. Um, now, we're looking all about who Jesus is there, and Paul says this in verse 19, For in Him, that's in Jesus, all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. 
All the fullness of God was pleased to dwell in Jesus. All the power, all the might, all the glory of God dwelled, lived in Jesus. Now, Jesus wasn't like a, you know, a Marvel superhero that had some you know, crazy origin, was bitten or something happened and, and suddenly they've got superpowers. No, no, Jesus is and always was fully God. He always had the fullness of God in him. And he lived on earth with us, with people 2,000 years ago. But if you're a Christian, if you're a follower of Jesus, uh, it means we have a relationship with him today. We can know him personally not just know about Him. I'll explain that in a moment. But why is Christmas better than we can imagine? Because it's about Christ. It's about Jesus, who is God with us. Secondly, what's so great about Christmas? Well, because of the Mass, the mission. It comes from the word mission. That's why He came, the purpose of why Jesus came. Now, one of the big political topics at the moment, it's probably been for quite some time, is about peace and reconciliation. How do we reconcile broken relationships, both at an individual but at a corporate level? You know, indigenous rights, family breakdowns, asylum seekers, seeking peace, war and conflict overseas, important things that I don't have time to get into this morning. Not sure who your, your favourite politician is. Uh, maybe that, that question's a bit of an oxymoron, favourite politician. Um, Albo, ScoMo, King Charles, Biden, Trump. I'm not sure who it is, any of those tick your fancy, tick your fancy, but what's their policy of reconciliation? Of What's their hope and their plan for peace? You know, press a button, drop a nuke, diplomacy, intervention, withdrawal, spending on infrastructure, education, legislation... Jesus has a ministry of reconciliation that he cares, and he cares deeply about these things. But what's his solution? Well, he reconciles through blood. What's the purpose? Why did Jesus come? Well, we read it in the next verse, Colossians 1.20. And through Jesus, he came to reconcile to himself all things, whether in he- on, he- on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. The purpose, the reason why Jesus came was to make peace. Uh, Not by telling each other to love each other, though though he did, that was important. Not by modeling uh, the way of love, though he did, that was also important. But actually the number one agenda, the number one reason he came, the way he ultimately brought about peace and reconciliation was on the cross by dying. Now, you might be thinking, hey, hang on, there's Christmas trees. Isn't that kind of the Easter thing? Yeah, you're right. Well done. But it's also part of the Christmas story as well. You see, if Jesus didn't die on the cross, then the Christmas story is really a tragedy. It's a false hope. It's like a a bait and switch or at best kind of a, a nice example to kind of ponder. But the reason why we celebrate Christmas is because there's real hope in Jesus that he achieved for us on the cross. Before, we are talking about sin, about how we've all rebelled against God, fallen short of his standards. God, he cares deeply about right and wrong. He can't ignore wrong. He can't just sweep it under the rug. Nor can we, you know, pull the wool over his eyes and trick him that we're better than we think or than he thinks. 
God sees everything. He's all-knowing or omniscient. He knows everything. He knows your sin even better than you do. So we're left with a problem. Well, we all have to give an account before Him. We've got two options. We can either trust in ourselves, uh, in our own lives, in our own uh, ways that we have stuffed up, which we, we know, or we can trust in Jesus. I don't know if you ever applied for a job that you are way underqualified for. Uh, I remember when I, when I finished university, uh, it was kind of the GFC, Global Financial Crisis. There were, like, no one was, was getting a job. So I, I reckon I applied for 50 jobs. And I was just sort of applying for everything. Um, you know, marketing manager, sure. Like, I don't know, senior director, CEO, vice president. Yeah, sure, whatever. I'll, I'll give that a crack. Um, I ended up getting a job as a glorified stack shelfer at, sorry, shelf stacker at Wrigley's. Um, you know, I got free chewing gum, so that, that was one of the perks. Uh, but, you know, if I was to swap my resume with someone a bit more impressive, yeah, that would have opened up my options. Yeah, I would have been able to kind of waltz into the job that I wanted. Jesus, he does this great resume swap. When we go to God, if we trust in him, we don't have to try to impress him on what we've done or what we haven't done. No, no. We can go to God, we can rock up to heaven with Jesus' clean slate, perfectly right, in a perfect right relationship with God. Jesus didn't do anything wrong. He always obeyed the law. He always loved. Uh, he never sinned. And so Jesus, by his merits, by his standards, uh, we can be friends with God. You know, we can't rock up to, to heaven thinking, well, God will let us in because of what we've done. You know, sin, it's a barrier, and even just a little bit of it cuts us off from His presence. If we bring even just a little bit of sin into heaven, it won't be paradise. It'll be ruined for everyone. And to this verse in Colossians that I read before, through Jesus, uh, He reconciles to Himself all things, all things, whether on earth or in heaven. There's this cosmic reality of the cross. Jesus' death reconciles, brings together all things under his rule and reign. All things on earth that we can see, but also the unseen spiritual realities. The whole universe will be, is, and will be subject to Jesus, who came into this world as a little baby boy, born into a tradies Middle Eastern family. But we can go to God, not on our own strengths, but with Jesus. And this is only possible because Jesus is God. Now, when it says reconcile all things, the Bible's not saying that all people will be saved, that all will go to heaven kind of automatically. You know, some people think uh, religion, spirituality, it's kind of like going up a mountain. You know, I take my path, you take your path, and we all take our paths together. And we all kind of, we're all going the same place, but we're just kind of heading on a different track. And what really matters is that we live a life that's true to ourselves, and we love people, and we just try to avoid the bad stuff. And at the end of the day, if you're a good person, we'll all get to the same place. No. And in fact, that, one of the reasons why that's wrong is because that, that involves incredible arrogance because you need to be able to make that claim. You need to be able to see the whole mountain. The only person that can see where everyone is going uh, is God. That He's the only one big enough. And that's Jesus, as we've seen. Jesus is, he says, uh, in, in, his, uh, in John's gospel, that the only way 
to heaven is through me. The only way you can find salvation, you can find joy, peace, reconciliation is through me, he says. So Christ, he's the king. He is God with us. His mass, his mission was to die, to bring about peace and reconciliation. So what? So what does that actually mean for us? How does that shape even our next week as we approach Christmas Day? Well, the hope of Christmas, it's more than pie in the sky when you die, but it's, sorry, vegans, it's steak on the plate while you wait. Jesus is God with us. He's with us now. It's far more than just an insurance policy that you can just put in your top pocket, you know, a ticket to heaven. We have a personal relationship with him now through the Holy Spirit. His personal presence of God that who lives with us, who teaches us, who comforts us, who guides us, who corrects us, who helps us. We can speak to God through prayer. We've prayed already this morning. Um, prayer isn't kind of these magic words that where you conjure up and try to twist God's arm into kind of getting what you want. No, no. Prayer is just talking to God, talking to your heavenly Father. God speaks to us through His Word, the Bible. That's how God communicates His truths, who He is, His character, His plans about what He has, He is doing, and what He will do. But Christians amongst us this morning, I know that's a lot of you, we've already put our trust in Jesus. He already is our Lord and Savior. So for us this Christmas, we can all take a deep breath. Not sure what your next couple of weeks look like, but I know for many of you, it's pretty chaotic. You're under financial, relational stress. Jesus doesn't automatically take that away. If you come to Jesus, he doesn't kind of wipe out your credit card debt. If you ever hear that in a church, it's wrong. Leave that church. But Jesus, he gives us perspective. He gives us perspective You know, the Christmas meal that perhaps we'll share, and I invite you to share with us if you don't have Christmas plans, it's a foretaste of the feast that is to come, where we'll dine with billions of other people from every tribe, tongue, and time period, where Jesus will be visible. We won't be living by faith. We'll see him. This Christmas, you know, if you burn the the turkey or the tadakan, uh, if, you've got, if you've got kids that are screaming, if you've got passive-aggressive in-laws, if you make poor financial decisions, go into credit card debt, if you feel anxious, you feel overwhelmed, God is with you. It's okay. He knows your pain. He knows your stress. He knows your hurt. He's got a plan. He's working out all these things for your good. See you down a hill. Uh, it's, been, it's been a big year for us. There's been some, some things worth celebrating, real highs. Our first ever church camp, our first ever uh, carols last week, uh, people growing and maturing in faith, uh, people coming together for, for weddings and for engagements, for uh, babies being born, um, people becoming Christians, new life in Jesus. But yeah, there's been some hard things this year for us as a church as well. People leaving. Uncertainty, who's the the next lead pastor? We're we're close, by the way. The the video last week, early to mid-Jan, they said. Uh, There'll be more challenges and uncertainties next year because we live in a world that's broken. But as Zach said last week, and I'll echo today, I'm excited for next year. I really am. 
I'm excited for the opportunity that you and I have. Now, looking around this room, and I can only see half of you because it's a bit dark down the back, but, but looking around this room, and, and, I, and I know you guys, like, we've got an incredible group of people, an incredible group of, of gifted people that God has made in His image, different body parts all coming together to serve Him and each other. You know, how good was the band this morning? Yeah, incredible. And well, we're going to sing some more carols in a moment. Um, we've got baby, you know, we're in the middle of a baby boom, uh, which is really exciting. I'm really excited for like you know, 13, 15 years' time. Like, how pumping is our youth group going to be? I'm, I'm pumped for that. We're, we've got the opportunity, church, to be raising an army of disciples, of missionaries, of agents of change for his good, people that have God with them. And it's not just the parents. And they say it takes a village to raise a child, but it takes a city on a hill to raise a disciple. Now, for the, for the seeker, for the skeptical amongst us, again, we love that you're here. Uh, come, take, take one of these books, take a Bible if you want on your way out. We'd love you to keep exploring. This stuff is true, like it changes everything. It's, it's worth uh, taking some time to consider. If you've never read the Bible as an adult, uh, maybe start with a gospel, a biography. Mark's the shortest one, so I recommend that first. Um, go and read that over Christmas. Come back and ask questions. We'd love to, to journey with you. But Jesus Christ is God with us. Christness. God with us. His mass, his mission is to reconcile all things, including us, through the cross to himself so that we can have true, lasting joy forever. Merry Christmas. Let me close in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we do thank you for Christmas. We praise you for the message of hope. We praise you that in Jesus you came into the world, that you were God with us. We thank you that we have an access to, to you because by our own standards we would be in trouble. But Lord, we praise you for your grace, your gift of unmerited kindness to us. And Lord, I pray for all of us uh, this Christmas. Would we be safe? Uh, would we experience joy? And would we know you more over summer? Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to our podcast. If you'd like to know more about our church, or if you'd like to donate to the work of City on a Hill, please visit cityonahill.com.au.